This is Jordan Edwards, and this is the Business Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. Good afternoon. I am here with Placido Santos. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Placido is a, a student of John Donahar's and uh, a jiu-jitsu competitor. And coming off a, a loss, although what I will say is that there are ways to win. And when winning is winning, winning is great. Sometimes when you win, though, you lose. Like my lacrosse coach always used to tell me if we played against a, a terrible team and we didn't just beat the living hell out of them, he was pissed. And sometimes when you lose, you lose. But sometimes when you lose, you win. And <laughs> I think that even though you had an unfortunate loss and your ankle got looks like it got snapped in half, I hope you're okay, the social coverage on this thing went nuclear. I mean, you've been like memed all over the place. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, the uh, the internet is always unforgiving when it comes to that, right? Um, uh, Craig Jones told me, "Don't worry about it, man." Every time, every time you lose, especially when you're somebody who's associated or on our team, it's you know it's something that people are going to notice, especially when it happens in the way that it happened to me, just getting like snapped and cracked. Really well. In all seriousness, I hope that you're okay and you're feeling good. Yeah, I'm doing. I'm actually uh, uh, doing a lot better than I thought I would. Um, obviously, because of how loud the popping was and how much popping there was um, when it first happened, I was in a state of shock in some ways. Like I was like, and uh, just incredible disappointment for me. You know, losing itself is not really what I was very disappointed about. What I was so disappointed about was the fact that, oh, man, I just got really badly injured. You know what I mean? So yeah. that that was the biggest thing going through my mind at that time. Had I lost, you know, to be honest with you, if you compete enough, you're going to lose sometimes. You know, I mean, I think the only one on our team that almost never loses is Gordon. You know, everybody else, like, they get L's, you know. So it's going to happen. But, um, but yeah, to answer your question, uh, it's actually doing a lot better. Let me see if I can point the camera at it. Yeah. So if you look, this is the ankle that got popped. And uh, I expected there to be tons of bruising and tons of swelling. There's almost no bruising, as you can see. There is a little bit of swelling, not yeah. crazy amounts. And uh, the range of motion isn't that bad. It does feel weak, and I have been lightly walking on it with no pain. But yeah. I don't want to, you know, do any crazy tests on it or anything until I visit the ortho tomorrow. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Sometimes those injuries, um, you can walk around on it like an ACL. Sometimes it pops, and you can kind of move around and walk around. But the athleticism isn't there. The pop, the spring in the step. So I really wish you a speedy recovery and. Uh, in all sincerity, it, you, you had some, a, a great run leading into that match. I saw some of the other footage from that tournament, and you're flying, man. I mean, you're really uh, up and coming. It's exciting to watch you. Thanks so much. Yeah, it was the uh, third match of the of the evening for me. It was the uh, finals of the absolute bracket. So uh, I fought some uh, big monsters. They all felt so – dude, these guys, they felt so strong, man. Every single yeah. one of them. Like I felt like a child compared to their strength, you know. Um, so, you know, perhaps something I have to reconsider going forward is whether or not I should be doing absolute divisions all the time. You know what I mean? It's yeah, may not be the wisest thing, especially given my size. And how big, how big are you? I'm sorry. 
How, what's your size? Oh, 170, 170 pounds. So, you know, all the guys I fought, they were more than 200 pounds, every single one of them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously it's an absolute division. That's what you're going to expect. You're going to expect to have some giant monsters in there. So, uh, but with that said, you know, once you start getting to a certain level, you know, you have to start kind of weighing, like, you have to realize that when you go in there against somebody who is much bigger than you, your chances of getting injured go from a certain percentage and they increase that much more. You know what sure. I mean? Especially when you do have so much size. So it's something I'm contemplating and thinking about. It's probably something I'm going to have to like, you know, ask John about, Hey John, what do you think about moving forward? Like probably try to stay away from absolute divisions, perhaps do heavier weight divisions, but not absolutes where the guys are just have like 40, 50 pounds. I mean, you know, yeah. Something to think about. Yeah, for sure. For those of you who don't know what we're uh, what we're talking about, I just want to share my screen for a moment. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, you're gonna run it. You're gonna run it in there. Yeah, do it, Placido. I don't I, know if uh, this if, is on his own Instagram, but if I, yeah. Jordan, if I send you a video on Instagram, you can pull it up on the screen now too, because uh, I have yeah. another video that hasn't been released yet on it. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So, shoot right. it over to me on Instagram. I'll pull it up. You, this one actually hasn't been released yet. Yeah. Um, it's a different uh, view and the popping is very clear in this video. You'll, you'll see the man who launched a million memes of you and John. Man, what an honor for you to train with John, uh, you know, in all those videos and, and feel it, you know, feel this right from the source. Yep. All right, here we go. An exclusive look right here. Ooh. Oh my God. And uh, it came on so strong so fast. There are certain submissions in jiu-jitsu where um, it's very – they're very opportunistic. Uh, Tegatame is an, is an example of that. Tegatame comes on very, very quickly. The Estima Lock is also a great example of a submission that comes out incredibly quickly. And uh, I just got caught on the wrong end of it that time. Mm. So – the, the competitor, he was a student of Tom DeBlass's. Correct. His name is uh, Calvin Casey. Calvin Casey. Well, um, you're kind of almost like cousins in a way, you know, through the the Henzo family tree. You know, uh, he's on the Ricardo Almeida, who's a, a friend of this podcast, through Tom DeBlass to, yeah. to Mr. Casey. And you're the Henzo to John down to you, which is uh, you guys are like third cousins. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Tom was actually really gracious. Um, after the match, he uh, actually messaged me um, on Instagram. Like, I'm talking about literally like 45 minutes after the match. He had he was already messaging me. He was like, "Hey, dude, I hope you're okay." Like, um, and he's been like uh, sending me uh, helpful info on recovering and whatnot. So, uh, I really appreciate him reaching out and and being kind. Uh I absolutely love Tom DeBlass. I, I follow him on all social channels. We've been chatting. I, I hope that he's going to be able to come on soon. He said he's interested, but his perspective on life and everything that he stands for is right in line with the way that I feel too. And he's a little bit more rough around the edges than I am, but it's almost like an alter ego where some of the things that he says I, I'm feeling and I'm so appreciative that there's people out there like him who can stand up for common sense and just kind of like say it how it is. So shout out to Tom DeBlass and thank you for being a, a, such a good guy to Placido and reaching out. So Placido, tell us about yourself. Like where are you from? 
What do you do? How'd you get into jujitsu? What are you doing for business? Um, so, uh, for jujitsu, I, uh, I originally started jiu-jitsu in college. Um, a native from actually from Puerto Rico, funny enough, now the squad's down there. That's oh, where wow. I first I was age 14. Then I uh when my parents divorced, we moved over here to the States. My mom's from Massachusetts, so uh I uh, relocated over here to Massachusetts. Uh fast forward to my college days and in college I was just I played basketball in high school, so I was mm -hmm. just winding down with uh how far I could take basketball competitively. And I was looking for something else competitive to do. And there was a local jujitsu dojo in Westfield, Massachusetts. And I saw that you you said you actually had a property, right, in the Western Mass? You own property? Spring, uh, Springfield, Mass. Cool, yeah. Westfield is just a stone throws away from, from Springfield. So yeah. I'm very familiar. What's that? I'm very familiar with the, with the area. I, oh, cool. uh, I, went to, I went to boarding school in Massachusetts also, Cushing Academy out in Ashburnham. Shout out to, to Cushing. And, and I spend a lot of time in Springfield, Mass., uh, doing business. So yeah, I know Westfield. Right on, right on. Do you visit uh, frequently still? Yeah, all the time. Really? Okay. Awesome. Maybe we can link up next time you're up in Massachusetts. What, are you living in uh, Eastern Mass now outside Boston? Central Massachusetts. You're in Central Mass now. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I'm only an hour away from Western Mass and uh, I actually, uh, we visit uh, Western Mass, you know, not very regularly, but you know, multiple times a year because uh, that's where my wife is from, and she has a lot of family over there, including her her dad, my father-in-law, and mm -hmm. so we make it out there. But uh, anyways, when I was in uh, in college in Westfield uh, University, uh, I was looking for something else competitive to do, and I saw there was a local jiu-jitsu dojo. So I joined, I signed up, fell in love with it, just started to train and train and train, and then I'd say about my like my first two and a half years of training were under other instructors until I eventually uh, made my way to start traveling to New York City. Uh, I'd say about maybe four, four and a half years ago, I started traveling to New York City with more regularity until <clears throat> I eventually became a student of John's. And that's kind of how that happened. Um, so uh, yeah, wow. that's just a little. Did you go to, to see John and to see Henzo's? Like, is that with the purpose of going to New York City? Hundred percent. Yeah, the whole per the whole purpose I visited in New York City was because I knew that's where John was teaching classes. And uh, early on in my jujitsu career, like uh, when I was when I was first starting jitsu when I was a white belt, it was just when Eddie Cummings was like absolutely tearing up the scene. Yep. And I remember watching this guy, and I would just incessantly watch tons of highlights of Eddie Cummings, and uh, I just fell in love with his ability to just go in there and submit opponents in thirty seconds. So just with just by watching and just mimicking what he was doing, I was having a lot of success in the gym against other competitors, against other white belts, and even against other blue belts, mm -hmm. just with things like Ashirami. Uh, and so that really caught my attention. It really fascinated me. And so uh, I guess from my zeal and desire to learn more, I started making trips out to New York. I started out like in the beginning, like maybe once every few months, then mm -hmm. it turned into once a month. Then it turned later on into once a week, sometimes even multiple times a week, you know? And uh, I have some pretty funny stories about that, about making trips down there like 3 a.m. in the morning, stuff like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was doing a very similar thing to you in the same route, except I was doing it for work mm -hmm. all through my mid-20s to my early 30s, and I was driving 
every single week up and back to Springfield doing business. And wow. <laughs> so I was going there to, to, you know, manage my real estate portfolio or my family's real estate portfolio, I should say, and, wow. um, and work on all of the projects that we had going on. But uh, I was still doing jujitsu at home. Nice. I know that route. I mean, I know that, you know, 95 to 91 and I was just Springfield up and back, up and back. So I feel wow. it. So, so you, you would make very frequent trips from New York City to Massachusetts, huh? I would leave at uh, 5, 5.30 in the morning usually from New York City. I'd fly out of my, my apartment on 44th Street up the FDR, and I would be in Springfield two hours later. So wow. no traffic in the morning, and I would be there before 8 a.m. And it was I did that for years, wow. and, uh, and I did it very, very frequently. Now I have a, a, a bigger team. I go less frequently because my, my assistant and some of my property managers go for me, awesome. but I was doing that a lot. Awesome. I never got, I've only done jujitsu up in that area once. I forget the name of the, uh, the dojo, but my current property manager, Roger Robert, he started training somewhere up there and uh, he brought me with him. But anyway, uh, yeah, so I, so I know that well, and you were coming down and was it originally that John brought you to the BJJ Fanatics to be his uke, or were you uh, familiar with the BJJ Fanatics guys first? Well, so literally right before I started training, officially training under John, yep. um, I was actually a student of uh, Travis Stevens. Travis oh. Stevens is a, uh, for people who don't know, Travis Stevens is actually uh, a John Danaher black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, not only a world champion and uh, Olympic medalist in judo. Yeah. Uh, so Travis is actually, to the best of my knowledge, he's actually not only one of the fastest black belts ever in the sport of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but he's definitely John's quickest black belt ever. Uh, Travis was also a friend of this podcast and, and here and shook up so many parts of my perspective on a championship mindset. And if you haven't already watched that, please go back and watch it because he is world-class at everything he does, a yeah. very intense human being. And yeah. really, it was a really powerful podcast and, and uh, going to be a big part. It was a big part of the research for my book. And he's also someone famously who was going up and back to New York. Was he, yeah. was he your influence originally that like opened up that door for you? No. So, okay. So kind of how it happened was, uh, so I was training at Fuji gym at Travis Stevens's gym mm -hmm. and, uh, one of Travis's good friends and students is Michael Zenga, the yes. owner of BJ fanatics. So obviously being in the training room with Michael, uh, he got to know me, got to know all oh, this kid's tough blue belt, uh, got would roll with me sometimes. And so he knew I would travel frequently to New York city to go train, uh, with John. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so when the opportunity came for when he signed the contract with John to film, I remember he was telling me about it. He was like, man, I got a big name. <laughs> I was like, Oh, what'd you, what'd you get? He was like, dude, one of the big ones. I was like, Oh, like, like Gary, you, you signed Gary or, or Eddie Cummings or something. He was like, yeah. no, no bigger. I was like, Oh, <laughs> so then he was like, so eventually once he told me, uh, he said, Hey man, you want to be the UK for this project? Funny story. I was actually not the original Uke for the first version. Do you remember there were two versions? Yeah, sure. Leglock DVD. So the first one, a bunch the of people sound quality. I remember very, very well. Yes, yes. It's an hilarious story <laughs> because the first one, I see audio because it's in New York City. It was just absolutely awful audio. 
And so then a bunch of Redditors like hopped on and started to complain about it. Shout out to all the Reddit people. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, John was absolutely furious about this. If there's anything about John is that he is an absolute perfectionist, especially when it comes to things that deal with his legacy. Okay. You yeah. can't mess with that. All right. So, uh, so when this happened, John was like, absolutely not having it. We had to record the DVD all over again. So then I was brought in as the Uke for the, uh, for the second official, uh, enter, uh, enter the system leg locks. Okay. So, uh, that's kind of how that happened. So funny story. <laughs> that's, that's such a great story. And, um, yeah, Mike Zenga was phenomenal on this podcast. Such a great guy. This whole network of people that we're talking about um, really are at the top of their field and industry in jiu-jitsu and some of the best coaches and competitors in the world. And, you know, me as hosting this podcast and doing this book, I've been so blessed to be able to have them. And I'm so grateful that you reached out to me too. Um, you are coming up under the tutelage of all these guys. You know, you are a student of Travis, a student of John, you're training with Craig, you're training with Dan Porter. I mean, what's it like to be one of the junior members on this world-class team? Uh, for me, sometimes, man, I have to like slap myself in the face and uh, kind of, you know, uh, you know, is this real type of uh, moment, you know? Because uh, again, when I was uh, first starting out in the, uh, in the sport, I remember watching you know, Cummings. I remember watching Gary. I remember watching Gordon on YouTube and be like, man, these guys are awesome. Like, I'd love to train with them. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that I'm actually like uh, a student under John's now and I've, you know, it hasn't been easy. I, you know, there's been a lot of sacrifices as, you know, you know, that drive is, can be grueling. And there's sometimes where I would leave my house at like literally 3 a.m., 2.30 a.m. in the morning to go make John's 7 a.m. class. So uh, none e hasn't been easy, but it has been totally worth it. If it wasn't for me being under the tutelage of John Danaher and having, you know, a lot of my, my teammates around me and even people like Mike Zenga, I would not be where I am today. Um, there's a proverb that says a companion of fools suffers much harm. I guess the opposite could also be said because I've experienced that is a companion of wise men or successful men, you know, uh, profits much blessing. So that's something that I'm currently experiencing right now and just really reaping the benefits and the rewards of, you know, other people's hard work around me. And, um, it's something that I'm very fortunate and very blessed to receive. And, you know, I don't want to, you know, say that I'm a hundred percent self-made. I'm really like uh, able to, again, you know, learn from a lot of very successful and great people around me. And I'm very, very thankful for the opportunity. Yeah, that's great. You're getting what's called what we've uh, discovered on this podcast is called the rub. You are literally feeling the the feeling of the master. Uh, my sensei, who's a student of John's, also his name is Nardu Debra Sensei Nardu, and he says, you know, it's an incredible honor to be the uke because you are feeling the technique. And I, you of all of these people over the past couple of years, like think about how many hours you are getting cranked and strangled and bent and broken and uh and feeling that kind of pressure right from the source is something really beautiful but you said something in there that i that i want to bring back up you were talking about leaving massachusetts at 2 33 o'clock in the morning yeah it only takes two hours to get to new york but i know maybe the average listener wouldn't understand that if you leave with just enough time to get to new york city 
you're going to miss class because you're going to yeah. be pulling into New York City at rush hour. To get into the heart of Manhattan, if the class is at 7 a.m., you have to get there 5.30. You can't get there at 7. It's going to take you an hour and a half to get downtown. So the kind of dedication that you need to leave an extra hour and a half early from Massachusetts, it's like it turns what should be a two-hour trip into a four-hour trip. Correct. And I mean, uh, so Western Mass takes two hours. Central Mass, where I'm at, takes three yeah. hours. There if you go. you're Eastern Mass, even further uh, east, it can take up to three, three hours, 45 minutes, four hours if you're up towards like uh, uh, Wakefield Mass. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's the that's the trip that Travis would make. Travis would make a four hour trip, you know. Yeah. So uh, for me, if it's there's absolutely zero traffic, which was pretty much all of COVID uh, twenty twenty, traveling to still uh, train with John in the yeah. dojo uh, during uh, that whole the whole ordeal, it was beautiful because there was no traffic. So it was a pure three hour trip right where I'm from. But as you said, if you try to leave and you leave in such a way where you're trying to get there right at the time. It's not just not going to work out. You know, uh, there's going to be traffic. You could get late to class. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a, it's a lot of commitment and dedication and planning and, and sacrifice. You're a young father, right? I mean, you've got a couple young kids. Correct. Yeah, actually, uh, my uh, my newborn is actually sleeping in the room next door. So if you hear him crying and hear me calling my wife, hey, come get him. <laughs> That's totally cool. That's this is a Are you very informal podcast. I have a, I have a two and a half year old, and then I have awesome. a, a one on the way. Awesome. Hey, congrats, man. Thank you. How many? So you have? Do you have one and one on, and a newborn? You have two. Uh, no, I actually have four. Four. <laughs> yes. Wow, that's unbelievable. Uh, we, I mean, obviously it's a humongous joke among the squad that yeah. uh, I am, uh, arguably the most potent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any of those guys are married, right? Uh, Craig is Craig. Oh, Craig is married. Yeah. Is and that's it. here in, in the States with him or in Puerto Rico, I should say in Puerto Rico. Yeah. Okay, and, so uh, that. it's a, uh, you know, it's obviously a part of his life that he chooses to, uh, keep private out yeah. of the spotlight, you know? um to each their own but uh it is something that i joke with him about constantly about yeah. how he like decides to keep his wife <laughs> it's a funny <laughs> joke i i like to rag on him sometimes about it is is craig a father no he's not nope yeah. uh, no uh is anybody on the team a father no i don't i think i'm the only one on the squad right now one of the competitors that is yeah the dad i mean obviously before you had other competitors like uh professor doug yep uh, who obviously he's a father and whatnot, but uh, I don't think right now from the Puerto Rico squad, I think I'm the only dad in the room. Yeah. Do you mind if I ask how old you are? Yeah, I'm 28. You're 28. <laughs> and you're young. I mean, you're a young guy, and listen, you're you have a beautiful family. I love. So, yeah, I, I also choose not to put my personal life on social media. I never did. I was very private before I had. This podcast, I never had an Instagram account. I really stayed off social media the best that I could. I had a Facebook, only really put business stuff on it. Yeah. Um, but through the course of generating this this project, I'm getting to know all of you know my my guests through their social media accounts before I meet them. And I was I was looking into yours today. I was like, wow, this guy's got such a beautiful family, and it's, it's just really nice. God bless. And I uh, I'm living the same thing, and it's like such a, a great part of my life to be able to, to do that now. And 
you know, those guys, they're competitors and, and as are you, but they're down in Puerto Rico focusing on the jujitsu and they're not building a family. You're simultaneously trying to become a, you know, or, or are a, a jujitsu competitor under John and you're raising a family. What's that like? Dude, honestly, my wife is amazing woman. I mean, John, every time I explain to John what she does, she's like, that woman is a saint. How she hasn't divorced you yet is beyond me. You know what I mean? Like she's an absolute angel, he says. Yeah. Well, so I couldn't agree more. If it wasn't for what my wife Sophia does on a daily basis, this quite honestly just wouldn't be doable. It wouldn't yeah. be doable for me uh, if, if she wasn't, you know, picking up at home uh, when, when I can't. You see what I'm yeah. saying? So obviously going to New York City, going to Puerto Rico, uh, these are sacrifices that require me to be away from the house. And um, because she is uh, uh, a worker at home, she works with the kids at home, you mm -hmm. know, able to do these things. So, again, if it wasn't for her, this would 100 percent not be doable uh with that are you, said, are you training full-time uh, i train every single day yes yeah. i train jujitsu every single day yeah and uh so obviously right now i'm injured so i'm my now my everyday thing is rehab just getting rehabilitated until i can get back to training every single day so yes i train every single day Yep. And again, that presents, uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure you also as a business owner, as a jujitsu practitioner, as a father have to oftentimes find yourself perhaps mismanaging or misjuggling your responsibilities or your time between the family, the business and the sport that you love. And, uh, that's something that I also have found myself at times, uh, mismanaging or misjuggling and uh and there are you know obviously there are times where my wife has to check back in with me she's like listen like look at your calendar look look what it's been looking like lately like you yeah. just haven't been around that much and uh i have to like again you know make the time to be home and make sure that i spend quality time with my kids and my wife yep it's uh it's a it's a real struggle uh, especially when you're running businesses also or trying to become a, you know, a world champion competitor like yourself. I'm constantly playing that, that battle. Mm. And, you know, there's most, most nights I don't get home until 10, 1030. Wow. wow. That's because I, I leave the house at the crack of dawn. I work all day and then I do jujitsu at night and then I go home. Wow. Uh, right now during COVID, I live an hour and a half away from training and my office because my office and training are right next to each other. That was that was convenient for the past decade. But now I'm going to work and I'm training and then I have to drive an hour an hour and a half back to the house. Wow. I'm moving, which is good, but you know, covid, whatever. So my family life does suffer. And my wife is a is a foot and ankle surgeon. She is even more extreme schedule than I do. Wow. So I really try to make sure that I carve out whenever I can time for my son. You know, especially like on Saturdays, you know, last Saturday, the past two Saturdays, I spent the whole day with him and it was like the greatest. I took him to a museum and I really am trying to be there as much as I can. Um, but when you're running companies, it is that is it. I'm trying to build a future for him and for my whole family the way that my yeah. father and my parents did for me. And when you want to replicate that, it's not easy and you really have to put in the hours. It's the same thing as jujitsu. It's 
If you do not put in the mat time, do not expect to get good. Period. End of story. Especially if you're like, you're not naturally gifted and athletic like me, you know, any, any skill I have in jujitsu, any small amount of skill is attributed to because I just showed up for the past 12 years and I'm still not that good, you know? So it's just cause I love it. And I've gotten so much more out of it than just being able to strangle people. It's helped me so much with work, which is why I decided to do yes. this, this project. Like relieving stress and whatnot. Yeah. Relieving stress, but you, you know, more the principles that govern jujitsu pushing the, the, the push and the pull and even, you know, like John talks about, and I had a chance to talk to him about the causing a dilemma, hmm. you know, when you're conducting business and you're negotiating, you want to create a dilemma for the opposing party because yes. you need to get the deal done and you need to make, you need to win no matter how, which way it goes. Yes. And so th that's just one example of many leverage is another good example in jujitsu yeah. leverage balance. So all of these fundamental principles in jujitsu um, manifest themselves in life and also in, in business. And, uh, and it's just so interesting to me. So I got a lot out of that just by training jujitsu. I was able to carry the principles across. And uh, that's awesome. And, uh, do you watch the John's instructionals, uh, regularly? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That's awesome. Mm -hmm. He, he, uh, in his, uh, most recent, uh, instructional series, actually it's releasing on Thursday, this coming, uh, this coming Thursday, wait, today's Wednesday. So tomorrow it's releasing March 18th. Yeah. It's the release of uh, Nogi New Wave, a new philosophy of pin escapes. Mm. And uh, one of the one of the business principles that John talks about in that instructional is the principle of sunk cost. Are you familiar with it? Of course. So he talks about how oftentimes, just as in business, people make the mistake of putting more money in to not lose the money they've already invested. Okay. Mm -hmm. He talks about the same thing in jujitsu when it comes to pinning. Uh, opponents will get overzealous with their pins and they've worked so hard to get to that pin that as they go to hold onto the pin, okay, for longer than they, they should, they start to have things like limb extension created. And then it creates opportunities for you as a defensive man to attack. So uh, for sure, I can reverberate what you're saying about, uh, about business and jujitsu definitely having a lot of overlap and correlation. I get so much joy out of hearing you talking about that. You know, I, I love watching the student of the teacher being able to talk about it. One of the things John's spoken about publicly uh, many times is that he wants his students to become great teachers and I can hear him and you, and that's, that's a really beautiful thing. Uh, it's listen to you, whenever you have the opportunity to be around someone who has so much success, you want to rub it all over you, you know, and you act of all people. One of the reasons I was so excited to talk to you is you are John's digital uke. I mean, you, know, you have been, you know, I've watched, I don't know how many hours of you just getting cranked, bent and broken. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you, the, the amount of memes that are out there of you is, it's hilarious. I mean, whether it's on Instagram or on Reddit, the, the social media world is absolutely relentless when it comes to uh, poking around, but I think it's all in good fun when it, when it comes to all this stuff with you, but it's, it's, it's great. I mean, your star is rising in that sense. And I'm wondering, are you, how are you handling this kind of, you know, your, the beginning of your career, I would say the beginning of, you know, this jujitsu career, what's, what are you, how, what are you thinking about it? 
Um, I mean, so so being John Zuke has definitely helped a ton, uh, not only developmentally and technically, because I mean, let's face it, when you spend four or five days in a row, for example, uh, just this past week, uh, we just got done with a, a filming uh, a filming marathon, right? So we had four days of filming. We just finished filming John's first two instructionals that are going to come out this year. And yep. we finished filming about like 10% of his third instructional that will come out, okay? Sorry, first three instructionals we've already filmed, 10% of his fourth instructional. But, uh, you know, when you spend four to five days with John, literally hours on the mat doing technique, like you're gonna, you're gonna advance. And obviously the fact that I've been able to uh, get that exposure on the instructionals uh, <clears throat> have been, have been very good for me in terms of, you know, getting my name out there. People recognize you. If people recognize you, they recognize your name, they recognize your face. They're more likely to want you to be part of their promotion. They're more likely to say yes to you for a plethora of different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, my biggest my biggest challenge now is I've always been known as John's Duque. Perhaps we'll always be known as John's Duque, but something that I do want to, moving forward, want to do a little bit more is start to establish myself as a serious competitor, somebody who does who is very skilled in the sport of jiu-jitsu. So um, that's something that also provides a challenge, right? So the same the same blessing can in some ways uh, be not – I won't say a curse, but if people only see you as just this guy that gets cranked on, then you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a really good point, and it's all – it's, it's what you do with it, of course. You know, like you could just be John Zuke or you can transcend that. And I, I'm listening to you speak and I can hear that you are ready to transcend that for sure. With all due respect to the gentleman that you competed against who cranked your, your foot with that esteema lock. I didn't know his name before. I, you just told it to me. I still don't remember it. But everybody across the internet was talking about you. Yeah. <laughs> and... I was reminded of another famous loss, which was when uh, Matt Serra lost to Shoney Carter with the spinning back fist. Mm. He could have been known as the guy that lost via the spinning back fist, but he actually came back and beat George St. Pierre and became the, the world champion of the UFC. Wow, yeah. So, you know, I just remember how painful that must have been or watching it over and over and over. How many times do you have to watch the same clip of getting, of getting beaten? But yeah. I'm more fascinated by the guy that gets beaten and comes back mm-hmm. than I am with the guy that just never loses. Like, yeah, Floyd Mayweather, he's unbelievable. He's great. Gordon, I, I mean, I'm, if Gordon's fighting, I'm watching. You know, yeah. I have to. Like, he's, sure. he's, he's, he, he, but those guys are so rare. It's, it's almost like it never happens. There's one Tom Brady. You know, there's one. Yeah. There's one Floyd yeah. Mayweather. So I love your story and I love what's going on. And it's just, it's really exciting to watch it blossom. You know, you're in the phase of your career where it's like the seed is just being planted and you're just starting to, to, to blossom. And so, uh, yeah, that's what I, I was just really excited to pick your brain today and hear, you know, what it's like from your perspective, training with all these guys and, and carving your own way and, but having access to the best of the best of the best. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, uh, I mean, it happens, you know, sometimes you get caught. So, <laughs> but uh, thankful, like I said, you know, like I said, at the beginning of the podcast, man, honestly, I expected it to be a lot worse. God knows what the extent of the damage is. I mean, I'm going to the ortho tomorrow. So 
Lord willing, it won't be that bad, but uh, we'll see what happens. But I'm really surprised there's not a lot of swelling, and I'm really surprised that uh, that there's no, literally no bruising on it. So I, I really I don't know what that means, but we'll see. Yeah, no, it's. I think you did. You did it with grace. I love the way you handled it on social, and you know, it was uh, it was great. It reminded me of another famous loss, which was when Conor McGregor lost to. Nate Diaz. Yes. And he came back he was, with, with humbleness and grace. And we all know what happened to Conor McGregor after that. He didn't go into obscurity. He, he became a superstar on the heels of that and it's because people wanted to watch him. They wanted to, yes. to know him. And so losing, as you said in the beginning of this podcast, is just a part of the game. And in business, I lose all the time. Mm. <laughs> Get my ass kicked left and right. It's just you got to pick yourself up and get back into it, and that's just, yeah. just a part of it. Yeah, it's a constant learning process, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, we learn, we learn just as much from our losses as we do from our wins, uh, or sure. just as much from our wins as we do from our losses, vice versa. You know what I mean? I know there's a saying that you either, uh, you either win or you learn, but hopefully we can we can learn in both our wins and our losses. It's something that John yeah. preaches to us a lot: is that guys don't don't have this mindset where you only learn when you lose. You learn also when you win. But, but certainly there is a lot to be learned, even in your losses. And there's one, there is one thing I want to say before uh, we do close here is thank you so much to the jiu-jitsu community for showing so much support to me. I've had so many messages, Jordan, come in and people just wishing me well and uh, just hoping that I get back soon and whatnot. So uh, definitely I've been very blessed by the outpouring of people just – reaching out to me, send me a message, whether it's a small message, whether it was a, a long message, even yourself, you know, coming on here and just, you know, being encouraging to me. Uh, it means a lot. I am a big fan of yours and I, I just can't wait to see where your career goes. Uh, it's exciting watching you and it's been a pleasure talking to you and getting to know you. I hope we can, can train soon. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to get down to Puerto Rico as soon as I possibly can. Maybe we'll cross paths down there or, or in the city awesome. at some point. Awesome. And, um, yeah, man, please let me know if I could be of service to you and let's stay in touch. And the next time I'm in Massachusetts, I'll reach out for sure. And I hope I yeah, start in New York. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Awesome, man. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. Hey, you too. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.